What's up, Harvest Church? How y'all doing today? Y'all doing good? Good, good, good. Well, I'm honored and uh, excited to be here and to bring the word. You may be seated. Um, and before we go any further, I just want to first let you all know, like, how much of a privilege and, and honor it is to have my parents, Pastor Kate, Kevin and Adrian, as our pastors. And they are, they're amazing. And they do a phenomenal job. So first, I want to just honor them and say, thank you. We love you. Thank you for allowing me to do this today. And right now you're in India, but if you're watching, we love you so much. And I know you're doing amazing things for the kingdom. So thank you and we love you. And before I go any further, I also want to honor any veterans. Do I got any veterans in the house? Any veterans? Stand up. We want to honor you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And my family, we lived in a third world country for a few years doing work in India. And it's not legal to do what we're doing right now over there. And so we really know and appreciate the, the blessing that it is to be able to do this. We live in a phenomenal, the best country there is. And so, thank you, thank you. And we're in a series called GUM, which is an acronym for God's unrelenting mission. And that's to show his unrelented mercy. And so I wanna talk to you about some news today. And I'm not talking about CNN, Fox 10, social media, or the newspaper. I'm talking about a different news report. I'm talking about the news that breaks every chain, that frees the oppressed, that sets the captives free. I'm talking about the news that has passed the test of time, passed any regime, kingdom, king, country or culture, that's the news I'm talking about. So some of you might know where I'm going with this. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. Aren't you grateful for a God who chose to come and dwell with us? He chose to walk among us. And everywhere he went, he did good deeds. He healed the sick and he freed the oppressed. But that's not where it stops. The devil thought he could use the religious people to defeat God. But we all know it was just a setup. They hung him on the cross. He took our punishment. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He de disarmed and defeated the devil. And he gave the authority to you and I to dwell above the devil. That's the news I'm talking about. Amen. I'm talking about the good news. I'm talking about Jesus. And so every single time I say news, I want you to think Jesus. So turn with me if you have your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 through 16. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and it by many become defiled. Verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. So just for a little bit of context going forward, 
uh, this is a letter to the Hebrew church. And they started off strong. They started off on fire for Jesus. They started off having real powerful encounters with him. And every single time Jesus was said, he, it gave them goosebumps. It gave them butterflies in their stomach. They, they had a real passion and drive to, to spread the news. But then, well, do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember that, that, that passion and that fire that you had for Jesus? And you just wanted to go in and tell everyone about Jesus, didn't you? Well, that's what the church was going through. But then persecution started to happen. And I'm not talking about the kind of persecution your, your friend unadded you or unfriended you on Facebook. I'm talking about families were being slaughtered. Businesses were being eradicated because of the gospel. That's the persecution I'm talking about. And you know, it's, it's, it's easy to remember the news when, when times are, are going, you know, good. But it's a different story when, you know, it's, it goes bad, right? So I was thinking, this is a letter to a church filled with believers. How could you be saved by grace but still not obtain the grace? Right, because it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace. So how can you be saved by grace but not obtain the grace? Well, it, it says in Galatians 5, 4, it talks about falling from the grace and being severed from God. Well, how do you fall from the grace? It's because it, the grace just simply gets old. And before we're Christ followers and before we're following Jesus, we, we have this human condition for this need of new. And then we get saved and we enter the kingdom mindset and the, the kingdom lifestyle. And, and God doesn't do new things. So we get insert frustration because the, new the, the news never changes. And so one of the, the, the key signs of this happening is everything just starts to become jargon or, or a phrase and a statement. Like, God is good, and you're supposed to say, come on now. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And things that were once meant to be powerful are now just a statement and a thing that we say because it becomes repetitive. And you know, Another key sign of this happening is when someone says something and in your head you go, yeah, I know. I've seen it happen. I've grown up in church my whole life. My dad's the pastor. I'm here all the time. <laughs> I, I, I watch people and, and I see people when, they, when someone says something in their head, they think, yeah, I know. I know God is good. Come on, pastor, stop telling me about Jesus. You talk about Jesus too much. And they go, I know, I know raising our hands is a sign of, of surrender. I know that. And you know, a problem that we'll face is we might be challenged to, to forget or, or rehearse and recall who we have in Jesus. 
And I wanna tell you something because I love you and I care about you that times may not get better. They may get worse. The Bible might allude to that subtly. (laughs) So do you know who you have in Jesus? Do you know who you have in Jesus? See, the grace of God is not a concept or a statement or a theory, but it is a person, which is who we have in Jesus. And he's filled with truth and grace. Every single time you see the word grace, you can insert Jesus. See, Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the grace of God personified. See, it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that you and I may be the righteousness of God in him. Come on, we can have all of him and all of his benefits, not by earning, deserving past, present, or future, but by simply receiving the gift of Jesus. So we're here to celebrate news. That's why, that's why we came today, the news. And we're supposed to sing about the news. We're supposed to shout about the news, dance about the news. And we're supposed to tell people about the news. And you know, one of the, one of the things is people get bored and people forget to do those things. And if you're tired and, and bored today, I believe it's time to obtain the grace again. I believe it's time to be, to be bold in Jesus again. So come on, declare it with me. Say, I am bold in Christ Jesus. Amen. And the news is supposed to define our lives. It's supposed to define who we are. And the Holy Spirit is the best marketer of Jesus, isn't he? And he'll, he'll give you what to say at the right time and to the right person, and they'll receive it the right way. And he'll give you the unction. And if you're, if you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Amen? So that's supposed to define who we are. That's supposed to define how we live. But we get tired, and the news is good, but since things aren't going good, the news doesn't necessarily seem as good. But that's when we need faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I've sat where you're sitting and I've heard preachers get up here and stomp their foot and say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, amen, hallelujah. And I'm sitting there going, what on earth does that mean? Am I the only one? So I wanna tell you what that means. Yes, you need to read your Bible, but you also need to join a small group. You also need to go talk to your friends more about Jesus. That's how you grow in the grace. So I'm telling you, you need to go to Starbucks with your friends more and talk about Jesus. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you to do. (laughs) And I I want you to realize something that that if you don't do those three things, you're vulnerable to this thing called the root of bitterness. Ooh, yeah, I said it, the root of bitterness. 
And growing up in church, I always thought that meant, oh, that, that person didn't hold the door for her because she did something to him and he, he didn't forgive her, so he has the root of bitterness. <laughs> but really, if you take it in direct translation from the Bible, it's actually, uh, let, let me read it. It's a, it's a toxic bile that the liver secretes. That's what it really is. And so what the root of bitterness actually is, is a, a toxic image of God that you allow to leak into other areas of your life. <laughs> and we see, we see that displayed in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, there's a story. And you have, you have Paul. No, it's, it's Peter. Excuse me. You have Peter. And he's laying his hands on people. And, and people are falling out under the power of God. People don't believe in that stuff, but it literally says it in cha Acts chapter 8, so go look at it. People are falling out in the, under the power of God and receiving the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. And, and Simon the sorcerer is there, and he sees what's going on, and he, and he goes up to Peter. He says, hey, man, this is, this is my block. This is my town. I need what you got. This will complete my resume. This will bring in so much money for my business. And you know what Peter says? He, he looks at him and he says some pretty harsh things. But he tells him, you, my friend, have a root of bitterness. Why does Simon have a root of bitterness? It's because he had a warped image of God. He had a toxic image of God. He saw God as an improvement plan to his business. And so when, when times are good, it's easy to remember the news. But when times get hard, that's when we start to get leaks. And now we're under this persecution. And when things are going bad, we start to get questions and we start to wonder, is God always good? Things happen that pastors can't even explain. And we start to wonder, what about God? Where is God? You wanna know what? the Hebrew believers were thinking, is this worth it? Is following Jesus worth it? Is God worth it? Is all of this worth it? They were thinking about going back to the synagogue and going back to the law and going back to their old life. Come on now, you ever feel like going back sometimes because your situation gets hard? Am I the only one who sometimes wants my situation to get better than spend time with Jesus? Am I the only one? I don't, I don't think I am. But, but see, listen to, to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, be careful that no root of bitterness springs up among you and causes trouble, and it by many become defiled. See, this is when, this is when faith comes into play. Faith comes into play, and we have to believe God, and we have to lean on him, and we have to trust in him. And see, a lot of people have this belief that Jesus will come into your life and automatically make everything better. Not true. Jesus will come into your life and the devil hates it. 
and he throws everything at you that he has because he hates the fact you're not trapped under him any longer. But that's when we have to hold on to the news and we have to obtain the grace of God. We have to hold on to it with all that we have. See, and then Hebrews 12, 16 says that no one is sexually immoral like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. So let's do a, a, quick, a quick summary. The writer of Hebrews, he's saying, hold on to Jesus, don't let it go. Let it give you goosebumps, let it give you butterflies. Talk about it with your friends, don't let go. Because if, if you don't do those things, a toxic image of God will spring up in your life and cause you to make dumb decisions like Esau. So I, I was reading this and I was studying and I was preparing for this today. And I was like, okay, obtain the grace. I got that. Root of bitterness, that was kind of confusing, but I understand, I got it. With, with some study, you know, I got it. Esau? Why is he talking about Esau? Am I the only one who reads my Bible that way? What the heck is he talking about? <laughs> Come on, Jesus, make it a little clear. And so I, I was looking into it, and we first have to realize that this is a Jewish audience, and they know who Esau is. And so, and he's not known for the right reasons either. So what did Esau do? Well, Esau was out hunting in the field like he does. And Jacob, his little brother, is inside cooking with his mommy like he does. And Jacob meets him out while after a hard, long time of hunting and trying to bring in food for the family, and he's not successful. He doesn't catch anything. So he's tired, he's frustrated, and he's hungry. And so Jacob's like, hey, how you doing, man? Esau, he says, oh, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm tired. And Jacob says, well, how, how hungry are you? I'm, I'm starving. I'm about to die. So, so Jacob, he starts scheming. And he says, all right, I'll make a trade. He's like, what's, what's the trade, man? I'll trade you this bowl of soup for your birthright. And see, the birthright traditionally in their culture was supposed to be given to the first male born in the family. They would inherit double, two times, more than anyone else. It would set the trajectory of their entire life. They would never be in want and they would never be in need. But see, and, and they would be the leader of the family when the parents were gone. But see, in real, back in real time, Esau hasn't realized that birthright yet. And right now, he's hungry. And listen, listen to his words. He says this. He says, well, I'm about to die. What use is my birthright to me? Meaning, in translation to us, right now, where is God? Right now, where is Jesus? I'm hungry. 
And see, I think the reason why this story is in the Bible is because a lot of times the way Esau treats his, his birthright is the way we treat Jesus. And I was thinking, man, this, this passage is, is harsh. This Hebrew twel- Hebrews, Hebrews 12 passage is, is mean. Jesus, why? This is, this is harsh. And he told me, he said, Garrison, it's about me. This message is about me. This is how people treat me. And see, the, the writer of Hebrews, he's trying to get him to, to remember something, to remember the news and remember who they had in Jesus. But we, we forget sometimes, don't we? Why? Because right now, I need Jesus. And he just seems irrelevant. What is God to me? What is the grace of God to me? What is the news to me? Because I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm alone. I'm depressed. And we go, God, God, God. I need you right now. Right now. Right now. And you know that, that passage in Second Peter, verse something, something? I don't, I, don't, I don't like that verse very much. You know, it's one of those scriptures. You wish it wasn't in there, but, but it is. It says, one day is like a thousand years to the Lord. You know, that might preach nice, but in reality, it means God's not on our timetable, and that normally stinks. And I have a sense that there's people in this room that they're right now stinks. And you know, I've been, I've been praying for years and this just hasn't happened. So you can't fault me, Jesus, but I'm gonna choose the, the bowl over the birthright. And you know, it says Esau, he got up from that place and he ate it all. You know, I heard a pastor one time say, you know, if you're gonna choose the bowl over the birthright, you might as well lick the bowl. <laughs> I don't know if that's scriptural or not. Don't quote me on that and take that with a grain of salt. But he also says, once he finished, he got up from that place and he despised his birthright. He looked at his birthright and he despised it. I, I've met a lot of people who will spend eternity in heaven, but meanwhile down on earth, just shrug off the grace of God. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's whatever. I don't care. But you know, the more they say they don't care, the more we know they care. It's eating them alive, isn't it? It's eating you alive, isn't it? Yeah, I just got tired, man. Yeah, I know, I've been there. And I just, I just need Jesus. Well, I, I need Jesus too. And he's here, he's just not always here the way we necessarily want him to be here. And, you know, it's just, when we get tired and we get hungry, we get leaks inside our soul and we start to doubt God and question him. God, you still haven't provided to me my job. You still haven't given me my career and you still haven't done what I've been asking for and given me what I wanted. So you can't fault me, Jesus, but I'm choosing the bowl over the birthright. 
I'm gonna leave him on Sundays and do what I gotta do on Tuesdays, but because maybe he does help those who help themselves. Maybe he does need a little bit of help. So I'm gonna do what I gotta do on Tuesdays. And see, that's the root of bitterness. And that won't be the result that you want. But you know, I can relate to Esau. There's a message in here for us, isn't there? You know, who is Jesus to us? And I don't wanna tell you who Jesus is during the good times. Because during the good times, it's just good. There's nothing wrong with it. Obviously, that's great. But it's just, it's just good during the good times. But who is Jesus to us during the bad times when we're going through a season like the old ancient Hebrew believers? Who is Jesus to us then? What was the reason that we started following Jesus again? What was the deciding factor or the reason that tipped us over the edge? What was the impetus? What was the reason? Well, Jesus, you know, he'll give you a great plan and purpose for your life. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's a fine statement. But that is not the impetus. I started following Jesus because I was broken. I was hurting. I was lost. And I was a, well, a, a bad person. But Jesus, he just came and he rescued me. F- from what? From myself. So you may feel pain right now. You may have forgotten the news like the whole ancient Hebrew believers, but you know, that's what the book of, of Hebrews is all about. I want you to know something. I started following Jesus for Jesus. Is that okay to say? That there's no long, big explanation, but I started following Jesus because of Jesus. And that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. He's saying, hey, 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 wait a second. You left the synagogue for Jesus. You left the law for Jesus. You left everything in the past for Jesus. So do you want Jesus? Is that who you really want? You know what I'm tired of in myself? Circumstantial worship. You know, life is, life is great. Sun's shining, praise God. I wonder how fragile my faith is. Touch one area of my life and my emotions crumble. I don't want to be that man long term. I want Jesus. Come hell or high waters, I want to love Jesus. No matter what the circumstances, I want Jesus. So you know what, if we're tired and we're hurting, you know what we need to do? We need to receive the grace of God again. We need to receive him again. And you know what's something that's kind of funny? Because I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid, so people come up to me and go, you know, I can't, I can't believe so-and-so did this. Insert sin. Well, 
I can. <laughs> they, just got, they just got tired. And in that moment, you know, they, they, they wake up the next day and they, they regret it and they go, oh, I, I love Jesus now. Well, no, you've always loved Jesus. It's just in that moment, he seemed just far, far away. So after those times, and see, that's the one thing I love about Jesus is that, and as you can tell, I'm a Jesus preacher. I love Jesus. You know, one thing I love about him is that you can choose the bowl over the birthright 29 times, but on that 30th time, if you choose the, the birthright, it would be the same as if you chose it the first time. Because he's that good. You ever have one of those days where, you know, you're having one of those bad right now moments. Well, I, I was having one of those days a, a few days ago. And I was like, God, really? You're going to allow this to happen right now? I got to preach on Sunday. <laughs> I can't be a man of God right now. I can't be full of faith right now. Really, Jesus? Right now? And you know what he said to me? He said, I want you to go back over all the times I've been with you in your life. He's good, isn't he? And so I started thinking, and I started writing it down. And so this, you might, know, might not know this about me, but when I was one years old, my family, we lived in India and I got deathly ill. And I was dying in my mother's arms and she, she took me to the hospital and the doctors, they didn't know what to do with me and they told my mom that your one-year-old baby's gonna die. And so she, she brings me to the, to the airport rushing to get to the States and when we get on the plane, I start declining and I start, I start getting close to the last hours of my life. And they, they call out desperately for a doctor. Is there a doctor on the plane? Somebody, my, my baby's dying. Is there a doctor that can help him? And God sent a doctor and kept me alive. But then we get to the airport in, in, in France and we get on the next plane to, to get to Atlanta. And I start dropping even faster. I couldn't breathe. I was dying in my mother's arms. My mom is believing desperately for, for God to, to, to save my life. But God healed me, he restored me, and he made me whole. Come on, somebody. The devil knew there was a call of God on my life and he tried to take me out. And I'm still here today in case you didn't notice. So I know who God is. My circumstances can't convince me who God is. I know God is faithful. I know God is true. My circumstances can't change the way I view God. See, that's the thing is that 
we get in these deep, dark moments in our life. And then we automatically look at the darkness and we forget about the light that he's shown to us and the grace that he's shown to us in the past. That's where we gotta keep our eyes on Jesus. Too, I've seen too many Christians go through the valley and they stay there. Why? Because they don't look up to the mountaintop. They keep their eyes down. Lift your eyes, says the Lord. Look at him. You gotta look upon Jesus. And you know what? You're here today and I'm here today simply for one reason. And that is because God is slow to anger and he's gracious and abundant in mercy. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your story, but I know you have one. And when I look in my life and all that God has done for me, it far eclipses this light momentary affliction that produces for me a far more exceeding weight of glory. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful for a God who pulls through in the valleys and lifts you to the mountaintops? Don't forget to praise him when you get to the mountaintops because you wouldn't have gotten there without Jesus. And right now I'm, I'm looking at Jesus and I'm looking at his face and his, his, his bloody face and his bruised body and his, his feet and his hands are are nailed to the cross and my name is on those nails. My name is on that cross. My sin is on that cross. And so many times I've found myself at the feet of Jesus hanging on the cross. And I go, Jesus, why? I, I, I deserve this, give this to me. And I, I struggle and I, I try to hold on to, to my guilt and I struggle and I try to hold on to my pain. But he looks at me and he says, no son. Give me your shame. I want this. I, I paid the price for this. Go live your life. And, and I find myself there and I'm, I'm on my knees and I'm crying. And he looks at me, he says, Garrison, even if you were the only one, I would have died for you. Even if you were the only one, he would have done it for you. And you know, you've heard the story about Barabbas, right? He's up there and they, the people want Barabbas. And a lot of times people get confused and they think the people set Barabbas free. But it was Jesus. Even though Jesus knew Barabbas would never turn around, never go, thank you, Jesus. I owe you everything. He still chose to set and let Barabbas free. So there's nothing that you could do that the grace of God can't make clean again. Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas was a thug and a, and a thief. He, he led rebellions, but Jesus still chose to set him free. And so I don't know what your situation is. You could be the Barabbas. So if you're tired of choosing the bowl over the birthright. And you need to make Jesus your Lord. You need to get right with Jesus today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not gonna call you out, we're not gonna embarrass you, and we're not gonna um, shine a spotlight on you.
But if you're tired of getting beat up by the devil and you wanna make Jesus your Lord, raise your hand. No one's looking around. If you're ready to choose Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, no one's looking around. Raise your hand. All right, that's one over there. I see you. Anybody else? Don't miss out on this opportunity. Right now is the time. Anybody else? All right. Come on. One person has chose that gave their life to Jesus today. That's something to get excited about. So come on, church. They're choosing to join the family with us. So let's pray this together, all right? You ready? Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he took my punishment for me. So right now, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And right now, I receive the free gift of Jesus. Amen. Come on. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to be here and do this today. So one more time, a Harvest Church yell, if you love Jesus, let's make some noise.